Hello, and welcome to Customer Experience Leaders Chat by Nice Reply, where we talk to support professionals from all over the world and discuss what's behind their team's success. This interview is brought to you by Nice Reply, an all-in-one customer satisfaction tool that helps you measure and improve the quality of your customer service. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on a future episode, please reach out to us at podcast at NiceReply.com. My name is Craig Stoss, and I'm here today with Antonio King, Head of Support at Vho. Antonio, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Craig. Good to see you again. Yeah, absolutely. Always good to always good to speak. You know, one of my first times that I was introduced to you was actually through an article you wrote many years ago, probably probably in 2016-ish or 2017-ish, <laughs> that talked a lot about um, the voice of support and, and how you can convey a, a brand or the way you want your support to be perceived by the, the customers. And I and I, I really loved it. I loved the way you talked about, um, you know, the different natures of being casual or formal and how you can do next issue avoidance and alternative positioning and how you can build that into your support practices. And so today I, I thought it'd be really great to, to dive into that more with you, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. Well, first off, how funny is it to think that like, 2016 was a long time ago. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? It's a better perspective, to be <laughs> I can't believe it's the fall already. This this year, I fall, know. So. <laughs> um, yeah. So, what what is support's voice? Like, what what does that mean? Yeah, you know, really good question. Uh, you know, the, the voice of support. Let's let's maybe take a step back and look at like what the voice of support has been in like the archaics, and I'll say archaics as in like. 1960 or 1970. I'm 30, 31, I guess, courtesy of the pandemic. So my, my frame of reference as it concerns old time is very different than what uh, some of the other leaders might think. But, uh, you know, you think to a lot of the, the traditional way um, support has always been kind of uh, conceived, right? It's, it's always been in the past, at least this, this, think of it like in the realm of movies, it's black and white film you're watching and it's it's people sitting with headsets at these these old computers and they have these scripts that they're reading from and and there's not a lot of emotion and there's not a lot of life to what they're doing and you know i think <clears throat> what is nice about like the evolution of time is that we get to see so many things change and evolve for what we all are hoping or intending to be the better and i think like the support industry itself has has been no exception to the evolution of, of time and if we think back in those times, right, where, where the old uh, negatively, more negatively connotated support industry has been, there's a lot of those, there's a lot of those attributes that I think attribute to those negative connotations around maybe lack of empathy and, and some of the things that we're dealing with, either that be via telephony and voice or in the way we write their emails. Um, or to having just scripts to use and only being uh, or being confined to just that sandbox to play within, right? Really didn't leave a lot of room for people to be people and how they interacted with people. So I think, you know, as what the support voice has been in the past has just been this, this unfortunate confined play box or, or sandbox of what they can play in, which doesn't leave for a lot of originality, it doesn't leave a lot of room for people to kind of inject personality. It doesn't leave for a lot of things that we normally on a day-to-day as humans are very used to having. Um, it's a very stripped down version of that. So the support voice um, today in 2021, I think has made leaps and bounds in comparison to before. Um, now you're seeing more organizations lean into the fact that, hey, 
These are people that we're working with. In turn, let's let our people, the support representatives, be people back, um, which means we're starting to see more um, emojis surface in support interactions. We're starting to see more uh, contractions, which may sound weird, but like we don't converse as people with words like cannot or should not or have not. We say can't or shouldn't or haven't, right? We, we do those things naturally. So we're starting to see a lot of that kind of seep its way into the interactions that are today. And because there are so many more mediums, uh, I think that have sort of like evolved in the world as well for support, SMS, MMS, uh, telephony, of course, which will always be traditional, uh, WhatsApp, Facebook, like there's so many more mediums nowadays that allow for more of that intrinsic personality to kind of come through that it's even more important as support leaders, we really lean in on allowing our teams to be the natural people that we are when interacting. So the support voice can come from so many different areas, um, but how we choose to utilize it, I think in 2021 especially, can, can ultimately be a deal maker or breaker as it concerns how consumers uh, think about our products and the companies in turn they get to work with. I think that's absolutely true, right? And it, it's it's how people make you feel and, and removing, you know, again, you mentioned technology and automations coming in and you can almost always tell when an email is an automated email, right? And, and, and what voice does that, pitch versus, you know, put it, bringing a personality to it. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned the different channels and, and mediums of, of communication. And I think that's interesting to, to dive into. Like what, what are the key factors to a voice for, for your, your company or your department? But then does that, does that change from channel to channel? Can you be more casual on Facebook, but more formal in an email? Or is that too confusing? Do you need to have a, a common uh, voice across your, your team? Yeah. Can it change? Yes. Should it change? I would argue no. Um, I think, you know, one of the things in my my previous company that, that you're referencing with, with the big like outlandish brand were really allowed us in support to be just like equally outlandish in how we, how we connected was to make sure we established consistency from every phase of the touch point, right? So from social media discovery uh, to post sale question, the customer got the consistent brand and the consistent tone, the consistent experience, regardless of who they were talking to. And that was the same uh, for us in the past as well, right? We made sure that regardless of what medium you're reaching out to us on, via email or telephony or, or WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger, you got the consistent experience. That way you you we really were able to lean in on the brand perspective there. So there, there's certainly mediums i think that like we as a group of people uh are more traditionally used to seeing certain things come from right email probably is probably one of your most biggest formality mediums but does it necessarily need to be that way i don't think so um, but i also think that's very important for for you as a support leader to figure out is that something your customers are expecting and or is that something that your company is putting out there as it concerns the brand? Because your company's brand can very much dictate what sort of realms uh, that you get to experiment with that sort of stay in line with, with the expectation that's been set today. You said about end-to-end -end in the customer journey consistency. What that implies to me is that this is not so much about support's voice, but it's about your company's voice and maybe how support uh, as the team that probably talks to your customers the most enacts that. So I'm curious, how, how do you agree on that? How, how, where does that come from? How does this voice get created? Is that a, is it a conscious decision from CEO on down or is it a negotiation amongst the leadership uh, that, that have these touch points in the customer journey? How, how do you build it? 
Yeah, really good question. I think, you know, if we were to dissect the voice of support, it can be dissected two ways. <clears throat> there's the overarching way, which is the brand, which is a little more holistic to the organization. And then there's kind of what I would consider to be like your foundational voice um, that support can do all on their own. So like, let's let's go through both of them. The brand or the overarching vision is where you really get to understand from the company's perspective, how flexible can your voice be? The company I used to work at before was a was a, an apparel brand that specialized in helping the world uh, not take itself too seriously. And the way they did that was to encourage um, people to just buy outlandish clothing, irreverent clothing, people or clothing that you wouldn't see all the time that really is designed to turn heads and start conversations or to help people foster being who they really want to be as opposed to who they feel like they have to be. And because the brand of that organization was really about being outlandish, being comedic, being being borderline uh, and scientifically uh, crass at times, that was kind of the brand that the company had set. So in turn, to make sure that the, the, the experience in the brand was consistent, it was super important for us in support to make sure that customers got that same feel from us in support as they would anywhere else interacting on a marketing ad or responding to one of our weekly emails. So that allowed me in that role to really like say the sky is the limit as it concerns what we want to do as long as it matches the point of consistency that that customers are expecting. But then on the other hand, you have, okay, let's say like, let's say your company maybe doesn't have the most outlandish brand or the most, you know, uh, boisterous or, or vocalized uh, tone. How can we sort of establish some sort of uh, support voice that allows us to be maybe a little more human in nature than maybe what may be expected or, or maybe perceived to be expected. And I think that's where you get to lean into the foundational pieces of, of, the, of the support brand. Looking internally and reflecting, okay, how can we make sure that people are seeing our responses as responses that are coming from people versus responses that are canned responses or responses that maybe seem like our, our associates are working strictly and only from a script that they can write, right? So it means allow your agents a little more free handwriting, allow them and encourage them to employ more methods of, of empathy, right? If you're dealing with a frustrated customer, one thing we always did in the past, which especially in my new organization, I'm getting in the process of building so we can sort of have the same sort of standard is if you're dealing with a customer who has an issue, it's okay to tell that customer, hey, you're right. Here's how I would feel if I were in that same situation or I would have the same sentiment that you're going through if I was put through that situation, right? How to, how to build those connections is just like those are micro steps to being able to establish your own voice, right? Understanding maybe when and where it's appropriate to throw in a joke, when and where it's appropriate to smile, or when it's appropriate to, to, to reference maybe something the customer had happen years ago that you know is relevant to the journey today. Those are all micro steps that can be made to establish not only just the voice, but your own support team's brand, which is a really cool thing to help be a differentiator between you and your competition. I really like what you said about, you know, throwing in the jokes and being, you know, freehand writing and, and, and bringing that personality really into the support voice. Um, one, one technology that's increased over the past few years uh, is, is text expansion or macros and, and being able to kind of get common responses out quickly, build these templates so that support doesn't have to freehand and, and, and you know, they, they are advertising efficiencies within support. Uh, but that kind of goes against what you just said. How do you, how do you combine those two strategies? Yeah, you know, I'm a, <clears throat> I'm a bit of a firm believer that macros should not necessarily be the end-all be-all 
solution. And what I mean by that is I kind of believe macros should do most of the heavy lifting of the interaction, but not necessarily all of it. I think if you lean on macros to do all of the work, in theory, that probably means that that support interaction you're having can also probably be solved throughout your knowledge base, which sure, certainly is, is kind of one of the points of macros as well. Um, but merging the two really kind of looks like, at least from my perspective, is how can you have the macro do most of the heavy lifting as it concerns? What are the recurring themes that may be important to leverage, but just takes a ton of time to type? Have the macro supplement that aspect of the interaction and have your agent supplement the remainder with it, right? From the introduction to um, the follow-up to here's a tip that I learned to these 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 minor um, additions to the interaction are where you can really lean on your support representative to, to make those interactions and have the bulky, the heavy lifting um, components of the interaction be handled by the macro. That's why I think it's best to have the two married together to work cohesively. Otherwise, if you find yourself just sending off macros and that being it, that's when you start to present unknowingly that this is the company that may be just sending me a blanket response because they think, this is entirely applicable. There will be a ton of instances where your macros are not 100% accurate for the problem that you're being asked to solve. So really making sure that you're hosting and, and plugging the portion of the macro that is relevant and then letting your agent take care of the rest of the gray components within that interaction, I think is how you use the two together. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, you touched there on the the negative side of customer experience when your communication is feeling that robotic or, or you know, uh, it's the same response every time, you know, the customers can notice those trends. Um, what about the positive side? When you do this correctly, how does it impact customer experience? Oh, it's it's super interesting. You know, I, I'll leverage my previous role with the outlandish company I was talking about. You know, we, we made a strategic effort to ensure that our support was not only uh, solving the issue we were being asked about, but we were having fun while doing it. And I think if you like, if we think back to again, the 1960s, apologies for those that might be dating there, but the 1960s, um, where the support interaction was just one of the probably the most dreaded things to deal with as a consumer. Um, it was dreaded, my theory, because there wasn't a lot of empathy behind it. There wasn't a lot of uh, uh, applicable responses. There, there, we weren't just necessarily handling the way we should have handled. And now we're learning to handle things in 2021. So in, in my organization in the past, we said, okay, well, the goal is not only to solve the explicit and implicit problems as much as we can, but let's make sure the experience is very different than what people are probably expecting it to be. And we oftentimes regularly got people who would respond and say, wow, that was way easier than I thought it was going to be. Or, whoa, I've never had a support experience like this, or um, wow, this is top-notch support because I just dealt with, I don't know, Spirit Airlines and it was the complete opposite. Uh, so sorry, I don't know if Spirit Airlines is listening. I don't know what your, your experience, so hopefully you don't tarnish me for that. But um, but that's kind of just a difference maker is that you you sort of get to like help lower the walls of what people are expecting because when people think, great, I have to call customer support, the walls go up immediately, right? Because they have to exhaust their time to probably sift through a, a, a three or four minute IVR to then not only get the person that who should in theory be able to help them with their journey, but lo and behold, that person doesn't have the authority to do it. 
So they get passed to eight more people and they're getting the same templated response that only addresses 30% of the issue they're asking about. So, so all of these sorts of like the brand voice particularly helps lower the walls and helps break those preconceived notions of what the experience is going to be, uh, which is, again, a huge differentiator for you uh, versus competitors, I think. Uh, I, yeah, absolutely love that. Um, maybe let's finish on, on, you know, assessing this. So, so whenever you're trying to teach something about a process or, or allow people the freedom, you know, there's certain boundaries and there's, you need to make sure it's working or not working, whether that's through customer feedback surveys or, or whatever it might be. But so how do you train and then assess that that training is working in a program like this? Yeah. Great question. So I think like anytime we teach uh, our, our team members a new practice, whether that be uh, a new workflow or a new process, uh, or, or in this instance, teaching them how to lean in on more of the brand voice or maybe some of the um, uh, some different points of methods to help solve implicit issues versus just explicit issues. It's very important to help them understand the why. Help your teams understand why uh, it's important to do this new approach or this new methodology and help them see the result as well. I remember when I rolled out uh, this practice in the past, my team members struggled to really see um, the why and then the result. And then what I ended up doing was saying, okay, let's just talk about it from our own perspectives as consumers. How many times have we gone through calling customer support on our own, you know, perspectives and and we got just the worst experience because this wasn't thought about or this wasn't answered? Think about it from that lens first. And then in turn, it helps us sort of frame the mindset on why it's important that we do X or Y because it's going to solve the things that we've all experienced directly. So helping people understand the why to the methodology, I think, is very important in training. Um, after the training, you sort of lean in on some of the QA initiatives that you have there. What you'll find, especially is like email as a really good example, um, and let's let's reference um, next issue avoidance as a practice, right? Next issue avoidance is designed to help us as support professionals solve not just the explicit, but the implicit that people might not be necessarily thinking about. So if we solve the implicit, we in theory can then minimize the amount of back and forth conversations that have had to have been had to solve the query. So what we might do is say, hey, here, here's, a, here's a next issue avoidance category in the QA form. Um, and here's what could have earned you a 10 versus what earned you an eight. And we'll walk through that ticket, especially to highlight what could have probably have been done to minimize or really just lean in on that attribute itself. So leaning in on the QA side, I think is equally as helpful to make sure that that's a reinforced methodology or reinforced practice so people can constantly have that top of mind as they're handling things on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, Q QA is, is becoming vastly important in, in as a differentiator of the customer experience. I, I find that exactly what you just described, that looking for these things that aren't just the checkboxy things like, did you fill in the priority? Did you fill in the, the mandatory fields? And uh, looking for these more subtle things within the tickets. And there's all sorts of technology that can help aid you in that. Um, Antonio, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope our listeners get, get thinking about voice of support and, and the branding of, of, uh, of a company's support and how, how we can participate in that. So thank you so much. Craig, great to see you as always. And thanks for having me. Great, great, great. Thank you all for listening to Customer Experience Leaders Chat by Nice Reply with today's guest, Antonio King from VHO. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please leave a rating or share it with others. And always make sure to check out our other support interviews and more quality content at NiceReply.com.